0: preaching, you'll probably hear a lot of what I'm going to talk about twice because we have uh, a number of people that are missing today. Some that are sick, uh, Jay and Kim Park, uh, they're ministering out in Alabama. And then uh, uh, Linda is getting ready to have surgery. Joel is recovering from surgery. So there's just a number of people that are gone, as you can tell when you look around. And uh, But uh, I know what I'm supposed to preach on today, so we're going to talk about vision. And uh, it's so good to have with us uh, Cynthia Wood with us. Glad that you're here today as a guest. And uh, we uh, we're going to be talking about the vision of this church. And I want to cover two things. I want to cover uh, the big vision that God gave us when this church started, and then I want to talk about what God has given me for this year. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about both of those things. It'll be a lot different style preaching than I normally do. Normally, uh, we dig right in the Word. We will have a number of scriptures, but it's just because we're going to read a foundation of scripture. Uh, but you, you know normally I try and pull in a lot of scripture and a lot of points. There won't be as much of that today. I'll be talking to us. And so today and next Sunday have been dedicated to Vision Sunday and... Um, you know, when it, when it comes to vision, um, a lot of us probably try and figure out what is God's purpose for my life? What is God's vision for my life? What I found in my own life is, is whenever God gives me a direction, gives me a vision, it's not always 100% clear. I wish I could tell you that it absolutely was, that God just laid out a road map and that you knew every turn, you knew every waypoint that you were going to make a turn or, or have to deal with certain things, but that, that's just not the way it works. Most oftentimes, it's in the walk to reach something that God has given us that we see in our lives, that we learn as we go the direction we should be moving. And that's true for me. It's, it's true for the majority of us. So if you ever get frustrated with trying to find God's vision for your life, just understand that you're not alone. Now I could stand up here and act like that we know 100% everything that we're supposed to do and the vision is all laid out and this is what's going to happen and some people like to put on airs about that, about just being so prophetic that they know exactly what God is doing at any one key moment. But I can tell you that that's not reality. That's just not spiritual reality. Sometimes God withholds things from us. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples, he said, uh, when the spirit of truth has come, he will lead you into all things. He didn't say he's going to tell you everything. He didn't say you would know it all. He said he will lead you. And so we have to be led of the spirit. Amen? So this year, 2020, I feel like our church is, is in a point of hinging point. We've, we've fought hard to establish ourselves in Suwannee and in Gwinnett County. And this year coming, Daryl, if that light starts doing that all service, just turn that backlight off. We got here today, it was like everything electronic in this place, and decided that it was going to not cooperate. And so I came in, saw that blinking light, and almost had a seizure. Not really, but I was like, this is going to drive everybody nuts if this light does this the whole service. Sorry. Even if it wasn't affecting you, it's affecting me because I'm looking at it. <laughs> okay, what was I talking about? This year, we're at, at a hinging point. We, we fought hard to establish ourselves, and God has done some amazing things over the last three years to bring us to this point. And I'm amazed at what God has done. But I also want to tell you that the, the vision for what God is going to do is much bigger than what we see when we look around. And I want today and next week to be days where we dream together. I want us to dream big together. Because I found that if it's not big, then it's probably not God. If it's not more than what I can do in myself, it's probably just my flesh. Uh, If I'm seeing things only that I can accomplish, then I'm looking at them through fleshly eyes and not through spiritual eyes because God sees something that you and I cannot see he sees the end from the beginning he sees the whole journey in between and he sees the path that we're going to take and so it has to be bigger than you and I it has to be something bigger and to me that a God-sized vision is really something worth giving your life to that's worth giving your life to and so, I want to reaffirm today what Branches Church is all about. We started out as a church under this one single inspiration. It comes from John chapter 15, in verse 5. As an evangelist going to churches to minister over a five-year period, my wife and I, we began to feel a burden for starting a church in a metropolitan area. And we weren't certain which metropolitan area. We didn't know that. We just knew God was moving our heart away from what we were doing and more towards starting a church. And so looking at major cities and opportunities during that time period, uh, ministry changed so much that we started to fly in and out of the airport here a lot for ministry. My wife's parents lived just a little further north and so we would I would be taken to the airport and we'd leave there in Hall County and we'd drive all the way down to the airport and it was in this season of knowing God was making a move in our life to move us toward church planting or starting a church that we started to get this desire to see Branches Church started because we would drive from that Gainesville area down to the airport and we'd only pass a few churches that were promoting and preaching a Pentecostal message, the experience of Pentecost. And so as I spoke or as I prayed, God spoke to me and he said this. He said, I have many people here. They love me and I have more for them, And so that has been my approach in ministry. God has many people here. They love him. They want what he is doing in their life to fully come to fruition. But he has more for them. And maybe it's that they're not instructed. Maybe it's that they're afraid. Maybe it's that they don't know how to get there. But he has more for them. And so as a pastor, that is my goal, to direct people toward the more that God has for them. And so in this season, he took me to that verse in John chapter 15. He took me actually to the whole part of John chapter 15 and parts of 16. And some things from these verses began to stand out to me. Now, if you look, John chapter 15 and 5 is where we draw the inspiration for the name of the church, uh, but there are some things in this whole chapter that I want to point out to you, but we're going to read this verse together. I am the vine, you are the branches. Who are we? The branches. Who are we? We're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Nothing. That word abide, it appears, or an associated word in Greek, appears 12 times over the course of these verses. Abide means to dwell in, or it means stay in. It means to remain. In several places there, he says, if you remain in me, If I remain in you, you're going to do great things. Or he says, remain in the vine. He says another place, he says, if my words remain in you. He also tells us to stay in my love, which to me shows we can get out of his love. But he says, stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love. One place he says, I choose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. There's definitely a theme in what Jesus is saying in abiding and remaining and staying and being part of what he is doing. And so repeatedly Jesus told his followers to remain and that their fruit should remain. Bearing fruit is also repeatedly mentioned and in John 15 and 5 he says, He is the vine, we are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. And this one verse gives us a picture that we are to bear fruit and that fruit is to remain. That we are to remain in him and he in us. And any fruit that we plant should be something That remains. What does that mean? It means that it stays beyond me. It lives beyond my lifetime. Because if everything we're doing is just only about us personally, there is an issue. And that issue is called selfishness. Because God does not intend for us to live selfish lives. But instead, He intends for us to live humble lives producing fruit that benefits His kingdom. There should be some fruit from our labor after we leave this earth. And that's why repeatedly scripture tells us whatever you do, do is unto the Lord. Because even if you're working in uh, information technology, what you're building and what you're doing can be done unto the Lord. If you're working in any field, there's something that you can do that's unto the Lord. It should be something that goes beyond you. You're not just counting time and you're not just trying to pay bills. You're bearing fruit. This work of faith, it's not about me, it's not about you, and it's not about today only. It is about having an influence and an impact that lasts beyond our lifetimes. It's a, if, if I gain the whole world, but I lose my own soul, and if I gain the whole world, but my children go into damnation, then what good has anything that I have done done for my life and for the future of their lives? Nothing. Nothing. And so as a church, our our focus is upon leading people to experience God's promises. It starts in faith, and then it's a call to repentance. We must turn from our sin. We must turn from our selfish lifestyles. We must turn from having our lives be about us and instead submitting them to God and His will. And then it's about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because he said in baptism there is remission, cleansing of sins. That's what Peter said. And then we lead people to that experience, a personal Pentecost, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues as a sign. And then it's about developing and nurturing and, and creating a culture of becoming fruit bearers in the world and in the Lord's kingdom. It's not about attendance. It's not about just getting Sunday marked off. It is about bearing fruit. It is about what happens outside of this room right here. And believe me, I want to see miracles and signs and wonders happen in this room right here. But more than anything, I want to see fruit being born out there because out there is where God is working. The kind of impact we want to make in Gwinnett County and in Atlanta will only be done through Jesus Christ. Without me, you can do nothing without me you can do nothing what does that mean that means everything that I put my hand to that I put my energy to that I put my effort in if it's not involving him it is not anything it is nothing say nothing it's nothing vision we had for branches church that has shaped over this time has turned into a big vision and as i mentioned before the way vision for god's plan works in my life has always been that he gives me a picture of something way off in the distance and he's only a few times in my life given me a vision and i start walking toward that vision and as it as i go it starts to unfold and things start to become clearer and it's kind of like you you know you look far away you can you're looking down the road you're looking for that that sign of that restaurant you're interested in if it just had words on it you have to get close enough to really read them that's why all of these restaurants come out they want these huge signs to put their giant logo on And so you can see it from way, way off. And that's why cities say, no, you can't put a 100-foot sign tall up there. It's too big. But as you drive, it becomes clearer. One of the most frustrating things prior to GPS was whenever you had to drive drive somewhere and you only knew the road names and you're looking at those little bitty signs And it was like almost when you get right to the intersection, you knew, oh, I got to take a right right here, because all of a sudden you could read the sign, unless that's just me, my bad vision. I think that's true for most of us. So the vision that we have, I saw, was a multitude of churches covering the Atlanta area all of them with their own personality with their own operating size with their own pastors i saw us us branches church with pastors and members coming together to rent one of a stadiums to have a joint worship service every year just to celebrate what god had done through us it was huge it was massive it was an amazing thing and in the vision I just stood and I watched from the side of the stage in amazement at all the people who made up Branches Church there were different cultures that were represented there were different languages that were being spoken there were people from all over the metropolitan area from every kind of person and that one magnormous service magnormous a word I make that up I just made a new word if you ever hear it again I came up with it now listen I don't know how to make that that vision become reality that vision is way beyond my capabilities but God does so every step of the way Every, ever since we have started out, I've prayed this prayer and I've asked God, what do you want me to do now? What should I focus on now? You know, if you want your life to matter for something, you need to start asking that question. Not God bless what I'm doing, not God help me do what I'm doing, but instead asking God, what do you want me to do now? And it may not ever make sense, but trust me, God knows better than you and I. And so now I pray, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do right now in in 2020? What should we as a church focus on? Because I don't want God to bless what you and I are doing. I want us to work in what God is doing. So last year, knowing and having this big vision that we've had from the beginning, I went away for almost a week to seek God, to ask, what do we need to do now? I'm not sure what we should be doing right now. What should our focus be now? What do we need to do? And God finally, after that week of being there, He began to reveal some things to me and talk to me about where we are as a church. And He said, you need to focus on discipleship. An aligned process for discipleship. Now, discipleship has been happening. Since day one in this church, I believe people must be discipled. What discipled means, it means to become a learner, a learner of God. They must become a person who learns and is taught about the things of God. Not so they have to keep coming back to the well of the pastor, but so they can start to stand on their own and have an outflow of ministry to others. Discipleship. Second thing he talked to me about was leadership development. This is an area where I have really probably neglected too much. He said, Start developing the leaders that are going to carry you to the vision. And so now we're starting, we've started already to try and do leadership training. It's open to everyone. The third thing he talked to me about was if we really believe in the vision then we have to prepare for when God opens those doors that we are positioned to walk through those doors. And so he talked to me about establishing a future growth fund. We'd already put it in place, but we really haven't focused on it. I don't ever hardly talk about it, but this year we're going to talk about it more often. And so we've been working to disciple new members since the day the church started. But God has shown me that we need to work to improve the process of how we disciple and train people. A systematic approach with continuous efforts that lead people through a Bible study into a new birth experience into take root and bear fruit classes that will cover biblical doctrine and Christian lifestyle and fitly framed to help help a person find their passion for serving in the kingdom of God. And this year we've been doing all of these things but this year as a church family we're going to go through these together. We're going to start doing that on Thursday nights. We're going to do life group, but instead of life group at homes, we're going to do life group here at the church so that we as a church body can go through these things together. Some have already experienced them. Some have already, and some of you, you'll remember the material when we go through it. But we're going to go through this together and then establish and work to establish this process That as soon as a guest comes in, a person who walks in off the street, they don't know anything about Branches Church, that they have a path put out in front of them that says this will help you get to your purpose. This will help you find your passion in the kingdom of God. And the expectation will be that every new member of Branches Church can and should go through this process. We've needed a bridge to connect Sunday worship with our middle-of-the-week efforts. We've been doing life groups, but we're starting a First Steps group. And that First Steps group is going to meet on three Sundays following service. And all it's going to be is, we're so glad you came to Branches Church. We would like to help you learn more about Branches Church. And the purpose is to help that new Sunday worship attender and show them the spiritual growth opportunities and the serving opportunities that are coming up in Branches Church. And as we grow, more things will happen. But God spoke to me that we have to get this process in place because what we have is we have we have people who are coming, they're attending, but they're not connecting into that midweek and they're not connecting to the growth path that has always been there, but right now let's just... I'll just say, honestly, as pastor, it's a little bit grown over. It's a little bit not as clear as it needs to be. It might even be like the vision that I had that's hazy. It's out there, it's there, but it's not as clear as it could be. And so we're going to work hard this year to do that. We have to be on board together to do that. Leadership development, I believe everyone everyone listen to me everyone has the ability with dedication and sacrifice to become a leader we're sold this idea that people are naturally born with it it's not true even people who are more natural to have influence they have to develop those skills so even if you don't serve as a leader at Branches Church, you can develop your leadership skills. It will help you in your home. It will help you at your workplace. It will help you in, in every facet of your life. Leadership skills help. So once a month on Saturdays, we've been starting, started in January, early this month. We're offering leadership training to anyone who is willing to attend we will bring some of the most effective, my hope is, my dream is to bring some of the most effective leaders to Branches Church to teach us and teach anyone who will come and listen. This will help us improve our impact in the church. It will also help us improve at work and our communities because it's, it's all about influence and impact. I believe everyone needs this. Even if you do not see yourself as a leader, you think, well, I'm never going to be a leader. I'm definitely never getting on. What people think a leader is is a person who stands up here and talks. That's not a leader. I remember as a young man, my dad pastored a church. And growing up in that church, you know who impacted my life the most? It were people who did not hold any position whatsoever. Those people impacted my life. Those people changed my life. I would not be anything close to what I am without those people. Because those are leaders. Without title, without position, they serve others. That's a leader. And there's someone who is looking to you because you have influence in their life. And you need to know what to do with that influence. The Future Growth Fund, which is the third thing he talked to me about. This year, Branches Church, as in past years, will continue to grow. We're going to grow again. It's going to happen. And a living organism, a thing that is healthy in our church, we are healthy, it grows. And we have grown every year since we started in 2015. And this year will be true also. We'll continue to grow. And as we grow, new opportunities will present themselves. An opportunity to need more space. We're getting to where in Sunday school, we need more space. We need a nursery. We've got all these babies. I love having all these babies that are here. We've got to have a nursery for them. Give parents a break. We need more space. And so that's an opportunity. But we have to be prepared for that opportunity. Whenever the church grows and doubles and we need other locations in other parts of the city, we have people who drive here from other cities that need churches. We can reach into those cities, but we have to be prepared for that opportunity. Mission opportunities, there's overseas, I've been contacted by missionaries, they want us to come and do things, and we, we have to be positioned, that, that doesn't just happen. When doors open up, you have to have prepared ahead of time to be able to step into what God is doing. Faith is a major part of it, yes, but oftentimes we try and use faith as a lagging thing. What do I mean by that? When God moves, then I'll believe it. But faith is not a lagging thing. Faith is God can do this. And so I believe it. I loved last Sunday, beginning of Champions Week, what what Pastor Jeremy Mills, and if you you were not able to be here, you need to go and listen to that message. It's online. You go to branches.faith, go to the media, find it. He preached a word I needed the word he preached. But I love what he said, whenever God gives you, and we believe in God, will give us this building. He said, when God gives you this building, he said, you call me and tell me about it. I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to overreact. I'm just going to say, yeah, I knew he was going to. Why? Because faith. If it's already done, and I just haven't received it yet, then I have faith. God's going to do it, then I act like God's going to do it. Heard a missionary one time praying for somebody. He was praying for their healing. And, you know, they were praying. But belief and faith are one of those things you can't physically see. You can see responses. But you can't see the actual faith in somebody's heart. And he he was praying with them, and he stopped, and he said, now act like God healed you. And I was shocked as they, they changed the way they acted. God healed them. Now was the question because, now the question is because, is it because God was healing them or is it because they had faith that God would heal them? You think about Jesus and the, the man with the, with the bed. He was laying on the bed. He was laying by the pool. He was waiting to be healed. The angel would come stir the pool and he didn't have time to get into the pool. He had no one to help him. And Jesus said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. At what point was the man healed? Was it when Jesus spoke or was it when the man responded and picked up the bed? We look at faith wrong sometimes. So faith, our faith is so high that we're going to position ourselves to do what God is going to do when he opens the doors. God has blessed us. I'm amazed at how much God has blessed us. This year, uh, and this will be a small, I'll just plug this real quick. Today, next Sunday, the last day to give to Christmas for Christ. Give your best gift to Jesus Christ on his birthday. We're going to be sending that in. I'm amazed at how much we have given to support other churches. We've given more than some of Peers, churches that are larger than us, it is amazing what God is doing. This church is blessed. You're blessed. God keeps blessing us and he'll keep on blessing us as long as we allow him and we're submitted to his word. But God told me this is the year that we should prepare for the growth that he's going to give to branches. And I'll tell you what was impressed on my spirit. Our amount of preparation may be directly key to what God does because if I don't have the faith to give it, to establish it, to work for it, why should God do do it. I'm going to be talking more about this in my message next Sunday. So don't miss, because if you miss, I'm going to be left with the impression you didn't want to hear about sacrificing for the kingdom. See, I just put you on the hook. Now you've got to be here. So this is the verse that God gave me. For this year. He took me to 2 Samuel. He took me to chapter 7, verses 1 through about 16. And I started to read. The verse that stood out and caught my eye was 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 3. Starting in verse one, it says, "Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around, all around." The king said to Nathan the prophet, "See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains." Then Nathan said to the king, "Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Go." Do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. David, at this point in Israel, had worked to establish his authority that God had anointed him with as king in Israel. He's now sitting comfortably on the throne. Judah and Israel have been brought back together as one nation. He is king. No one else is competing for the kingdom with him after this war that took place to unite Judah and Israel. And so, if you think about it, not long ago, King David was the man who was on the run from Saul. It's not that far removed in years. He had Saul who was intent in killing him and not letting him become what God had intended him to be. So he'd been living in caves. But now Saul is dead and David is king and for the first time in a very long while there is peace in Israel and so David starts to think about the fact that he's now living what we would call the high life i mean if you go from living in caves and just surviving and being uh, rejected by the philistines and rejected by uh, all the people trying to push you out and Saul's trying to kill you to now you're sitting in what bible says was a house of cedar You went to living the high life. David has moved up in the world. And he's living in this fine house, palace, a place where he can relax. But he starts thinking about his house compared to the Lord's house. The place where the Lord's spirit resides. It's just in a tent. And so he starts thinking, I need to do something about this. I need to do, I need to build something for the Lord. And so Nathan tells David to go do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. He says, go do that. Man, it sounds like your your heart is for the kingdom of God. It's for the things of God. You go do that. But that night, God speaks to Nathan. And he gives him a message that he must pass to David. He said, go, verse 5, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought The children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded the shepherd, my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built for me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more." Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled, your rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from my body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. (coughs) Theologians refer to this as the Davidic covenant. Covenant between God and David. But what stands out to me, he says, would you build me a house? You think you're going to build me a house? You think I need you to build me anything? Verse 11, he says, you're not going to build me anything. Now, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. When I read this, I think, wow, the Lord just told David he's not interested in what he can do. And we know in history that Solomon comes and builds what David has prepared for it to be built. And I'm going to talk more about that next Sunday. But think about that. The Lord tells David, would you build me a house? Are you going to do this for me? And then in verse 11, he says, no, I'm building you a house. You think you're building me something when the reality is I'm building you something. Eight times in 17 verses, the word house is used back and forth. David was talking about the Lord needs a house. The Lord talks about, you think I need a house? I haven't had a house the whole time. When are you, you're going to build me a house? How about this? I'm building you a house And this house, this dynasty is going to stand forever. When the throne gets put up, your son's going to come along and he'll build me a house then. But I'm establishing you before you can do anything for me. David thought he was building a house for God. That's where his heart was at. His heart was in the right place. I'm going to do something for the Lord. But what David didn't understand that God knew was that God was the one doing the building. He was building David. David thought he was building a house for God when the whole time God was actually building a house for David. We think we're doing something for God. The truth is God is doing something in us. Every time that we sacrifice, every time that we give, every time that we surrender something, a little portion of our life in submission to God, every time, we think we're doing something from God. The truth is, God is doing something for us. God is doing something in you. God is doing something in me. Let me give you a little revelation we, we pedestalize pastors. We think pastors and preachers are these great men that lead us. And I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I have men in my life I look to that I naturally want them to be leading me forward. But you know, everything that God uses in those men to do in me, He's done in them before He gets to me. And so as a pastor, everything that I'm leading you toward, God has done in me before I'm pointing you toward the direction. God's building on me twice as fast as he's building on you. Because if I'm going to lead and I'm going to guide, I have to have been there before. You See, we think we're doing something for God. The truth is God is doing something in us. God, God does not need... What we can build him. God does not need what I can do for him. He owns the earth and the fullness thereof. He owns everything. He does not need me to do anything for him. God is fine on his own. But notice that God keeps referring to the people. Four times over over 17 verses, everything God does, he refers to the people. He says, my people, my people, my chosen ones, the people my, that I have chosen. Everything God does is about the people. And so whenever we sacrifice and we build for God, we're thinking we're doing something for God when in reality God is doing something in us for people he's chosen. For the people God wants to give a place of worship, that's why he builds a church. For a ministry, he makes a ministry for the people God wants us to minister through and to. Leaders, he gives a leader for the people God wants to be led. It's always people first. That's why Jesus talked about service so much. The greatest among you will become the least. Servants, 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 and the whole time, here's the thing, and I'm quickly ending. We think we're doing something for God, and God does something in us. We start thinking it's for us. When the truth is, God did something in us so it can be for others. He said, Are you going to build me a house, David? You're not building me a house. I don't need need anything you're going to build for me. But I have people. And my people, I'm going to build your house for my people so that they're not oppressed by the enemy, so that they're not, not having to move around and around. I'm going to establish your dynasty for my people. And when you're gone, Solomon is going to build something that you had a vision for your entire life. And he's going to build it bigger and better. But it's not going to be for Solomon. And it's not going to be for me. It's going to be for people. We're doing something. God is doing something in us. what we're doing and what God is doing in us it's for others that we've not even realized yet bring me one of the twins can I use them one of them hey Emma come here these babies are so sweet Goodness, if you haven't got a chance to hold them, you got to cuddle with them. You know, when I started Branches Church, it started out because of that vision that I saw. I started moving toward. But every day, I start to realize more and more, these are the reasons. One day I'm going to die. And some days I look forward to that. No more stress, no more tears. Oh, I got an old song in my head now. Ben, come help me. Everything Dad does his spiritual life it benefits dad but that's not why he's doing it because there's a generation coming that's watching dad even right now what is dad doing why is dad praying why is dad so serious about all of this when the rest of the world says it's foolishness Watching. and there are people out there that we don't know yet right outside those doors everything we do this year trying to get our discipleship in the right order trying to get leaders established trying to prepare for the future for a building fund or for other locations or anything else it's about them that's why it's about them. They've never experienced Pentecost and experience it for the first time. And it's about their children that will grow up knowing what it is to have mom and dad that aren't just chasing things of the world, aren't strung out on drugs, aren't alcoholics, can for a fact look at them and say, faith and experience of God is more than just blindly trying to follow God, but it's experiencing God. That's why. year is going to be an amazing year. God's going to do so much. We're going to see signs. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see wonders. Those things are going to follow us because we're in His will. We're going to take steps toward this big vision. It's bigger than us. If You'll stand with me. I want you to understand today the things that you do for God, you're not doing them for God. You're doing them for someone else. Maybe it's a child you think of, like, I'm doing this for my children. Maybe it's a loved one. You know, I'm doing this, I'm praying this prayer. It's for my sister, it's for my brother. It's for my mom and my dad. Maybe it's for someone in your neighborhood that's just next door. Say, so I'm, I'm doing all of this, things I do right now, I'm doing for that person. And while God looks at what you're doing and He starts working in what you're doing, God does something in you. It's not just for you, it's for others. When God gives us this church building and we celebrate, we need to remember it's not because of us, it's because God is doing something in us for others, for others. When we seek the Lord for just a moment, I felt the presence and spirit of God here. God, we thank you for all the victories and things that you gave us in 2019. We thank you for the lives that have been changed, the miracles that happened. That only came out of your hand. We give that to you as glory and honor. God, we thank you for leading us into this new year. Building our faith last week through the message. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. This year is going to be a blessed year. You're going to bless us. You're going to anoint what you're doing through Branches Church. You're going to help us reach higher and reach new dimensions. God, I pray that you would help us to realize it's not about us. It's about others. You're doing something. You're building something here. And as you build in us and as you build in this church, it's for others. God, help us to be good, faithful stewards and committed to the vision of what you're doing. God, help us to sacrifice for it. Help us to lean into it. Help us, God, to surrender and put the kingdom of God at the forefront of our lives and let all of the things of the world fall behind because those things will fall in order if we put you first. God, I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. I wonder if we could gather to the front as a church family just for a moment of worship. Maybe you want to pray. If you don't have a vision for what God wants to do in your life, maybe you want to pray and say, God, give me that vision. Maybe you want to let him reawaken that vision that you kind of passed off as just thinking, well, that's just too big. That's just a fuzzy thought in the future. That's just something... I can't get a whole picture. I'm not sure how I get there. Maybe you want him to awaken that in you. Because as you move toward that, God is doing something in you and he's doing something through you for others. God, we worship you, Lord. Magnify.